I'm Dr. Fred Silva of Arcana Laboratories, coming to you from Little Rock, Arkansas, with another installment of Throwback Thursday. The First Scientist Whenever someone talks about the first of anything, be aware that we usually don't know who was really first, since a. The discovery may indeed be multicentric in different geographical areas. b. The exact definition of the subject, such as what is a microscope or a telescope, can vary, believe it or not. or c. Loss in the mists of time. There is even a d, as Stigler says, quote, the person named as the first is actually often a later person who publishes or receives the notoriety and not really the first, end of quote. Stigler also states that although it is called Stigler's Law, he probably wasn't the first either. As a species, we can't seem to leave things alone. We keep tweaking, improving, modifying things, and rarely stop at one solution to a problem. We are a blend of curiosity, perseverance, cooperation, innovation, luck, and creativity. If we think of science as a way to understand the natural world, that goes back very far in history, rooted in our curiosity. We ordinarily think of Copernicus, Galileo, Bacon, Descartes, Newton, but before them there were works of early Egyptians and Babylonians and the Tang Dynasty in China, 1100 to 1400 years ago. The Chinese were known to invent the compass, gunpowder, paper making, and printing. The Greeks apparently started with Thales, who suggested that the major building block of the world was water. Maybe he was an early nephrologist. As Claude Levi-Strauss states, quote, The scientist is not a person who gives the right answer. He or she's one who asks the right questions, end of quote. That reminds me of Dr. Isidore Rabbi, Nobel laureate in particle physics at Columbia, an early director of the Atomic Energy Commission, whose dad asked him when he came back from his early schooling, not, did you learn anything today, son? But instead, did you ask any good questions today? The Science Council of the United Kingdom defines science as, quote, pursuit and application of knowledge and understanding of the natural world following a systematic methodology based on evidence, end of quote. Anthropologists have ample evidence of deep creativity in the human lineage who needed a deep tenacity and wherewithal to commit to solving problems of everyday life. Other non-human animals are good problem solvers, such as crows and primates, but humans show an enhanced level and combination of discovery, innovation, cooperation, and information transfer. The earliest evidence for something like science takes us back to the beginning of our genus, Homo, and the use of early stone tools, for example, Homo habilis. The simplest stone tools predate the appearance of our own genus, however. Early genus Homo inherited a world where some tool making was already present and they improved on it 
possibly through trial and error. For example, finding better rocks, refining their tool-making skills, and so on. This motivation, it is the refinement of this human curiosity that went into science, the ability to create and control fire, the development of pigments and adhesives, and initial forays into the domestication of plants and animals and early agricultural communities, allowing people to stay in the same place and not having to migrate as before. Early solid evidence of the throwing of spears enabling hunting at a safer distance was noted from a site in North Germany, apparently 300,000 years old. There's a very simple example used in introductory physics class used to illustrate how the human mind began to incorporate mathematics into hunting, the so-called monkey and the hunter scenario. A. The hunter comes into a forest, comes upon the monkey. B. The hunter knows from experience when he throws something at the monkey, the hanging monkey will drop down. C. So when the hunter throws the spear, the question is, should the hunter throw the spear where the monkey is now or where it will be in a moment? Understanding a bit about gravity, trajectories, basic math, mails, and gives the answer. There is even a formula for it. I hope you can figure out the answer. The answer is, where the monkey is now, both the monkey and the spear with gravity will drop down together. Then came composite tools, hammers and spears made with adhesives to bind wood and stone with pigment, ochre, and tree sap and heat up to 100,000 years ago or more. Thus, our ancestors were doing science in its early form, the roots of modern science evident also in the creation of glue over 70,000 years ago. I will end this with the story of the Pearl River Valley of China, where groups of people selected and protected rice stalks that had shatterproof, less brittle rice, a genetic mutation, with somebody noticing that some had variations in which the rice grains fall off easily and was difficult to get all the rice grains off before they fell off and the animals ate them. These early geneticists, sort of, used the phenotype to access the genotype, the basic genetic experiment developed later by Mendel and his pea plants. So there are lots and lots of other examples over time. Thus, science was noted early in human origins, a process that emerged early in the history of the genus Homo, if not before. We should never look down on our forefathers and foremothers their curiosity, imagination, creativity, determination, teaching, learning, and sharing were the very early beginnings, if you will, of what would later be called science. Although the word science comes from the Latin scientia, or scientia, meaning knowledge, the term scientist wasn't coined until June of 1833 at the British Association for the Advancement of Science, by the great English polymath, an Anglican priest, philosopher, theologian, and historian of science, William Whewell of Trinity College, Cambridge, 
Up until that time, the term scientist had been known as natural philosophy. Indeed, Whewell published works in the disciplines of mechanics, physics, geology, astronomy, economic poetry, philosophy, mathematics, and one of his greatest gifts to science was his wordsmithing. At the suggestion of the great poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge, who asked, quote, what would be a suitable name for the student of nature, end of quote. It was thought by the group that philosophers was too wide and lofty and savants too assuming and especially too French. By analogy of artist, scientists compared well with the terms economist and atheist. Whewell came up with the new term scientist and also terms including physicist, linguistics, consilience, uniformitarianism, astigmatism, and suggested even to Faraday the terms electrode, ion, anode, cathode, and dielectric. Whewell, as president of the British Association of Science, thought a name was indeed needed because science was becoming an autonomous subject and needed to be completely separate from philosophy and theology. Whewell was also the person that convinced Charles Darwin, upon returning from the voyage of the HMS Beagle, to become secretary of the Geological Society of London. The title page of Darwin's famous 1859 book on the origin of the species opens with a quotation from Whewell's Bridgewater Treatise about science founded on a natural theology of a creator who established orderly laws. Thank you for listening. This podcast and more can be found in the iTunes and Google Play stores. For more information and educational programming like this, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or visit us on the web at arcanalabs.com.